This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Swindon Town. Oh, my kingdom. My kingdom for a quiet week. Alas, it's not proven to be the case, but here we are again. Hello, Joe. Hello, Rich. Uh, how are you doing under the circumstances? Well, I'm stressed. I'm stressed on various levels. Um, technology from our side. So we're back on Zoom. So apologies that the uh, audio won't be as uh, good as when we're using other services. And then when everything seems so quiet, Joe, two statements in relation to two different things to get everybody talking. Yeah, it was a nice chilled week until the 91st minute winner from Swindon Town is a menace to uh, bring us back in late yesterday afternoon. I was, I was I always try to plan my weeks out ahead of time so I know roughly what's going to go on, but you always have to legislate for Swindon Town, doing Swindon Town things. And uh, that very much happened uh, Thursday afternoon. So, um, and, I, and I do apologise because I sent a, what I thought was a rather innocent email to the EFL yesterday asking if they had any sort of updates on it. And they went, yeah, this afternoon, here's a press release. And I'm like, oh, okay. So um, if I <laughs> if I explain that in any way, then I very much my bad. <laughs> well, it, it was going to emerge anyway, regardless of Joe Acklam's uh, interfering and bothering. So I don't think you can uh, you can claim this one. We, we won't blame you. Well, that's good, because... Uh... Usually, things I do, my accent tend to get held against me anyway. So, 
Uh, that's that's a, a weight off of my shoulders, at least. Yeah, good. That's nice. Are you good, though? Are you, are you all well? It's been a while. Joe covered for me, or JR covered for me so well last week. Yeah, it's, it has been a little while. I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, as you say, aside from the, the various going goings on that make things a bit stressful, but they keep my job pretty interesting, to be fair. So um, from from that perspective, I don't mind it, but in a much larger, I thought, Swindon Town perspective, I mind it very much indeed. Yeah, we would much rather talk about football exclusively on the presser, but it's not the case. So as you, as you mentioned, two bits of news emerging over the last 24 hours or so we'll start with the most recent one which was from the trust in relation to looking at the accounts at Swindon Town FC here's the statement the trust would like to thank Anthony and Annabella at the club for taking the time this week to talk through the financial ledgers and environment of SDFC. It should be recognised that this is the first time that the trust or any other supporters group has been given such access to the books of STFC and it is rare to see this throughout the footballing world. All the information requested prior to the meeting was presented and Anthony reaffirmed the club's commitment to improving the information provided to fans, both financial and non-financial. To this end, the club will be releasing its annual accounts in the next few months and alongside this, with the help of the trust, intends to provide an executive summary to accompany their release. Longer term, the club, supported by the trust, is also engaging with Fair Game with the intention of developing a far more comprehensive annual report that both the club and the fans can be proud of. Thanks, Trust STSC Board. All right, Joe, so a few things <laughs> rattled me privately, as you know, after this was announced. So I guess, first of all, for those who have less cosier relationships with the club. Anthony is Anthony Hall, the CEO. Annabella is Annabella da Costa, the financial controller. Isn't it incredible that less than a fortnight ago, Joe, Anthony Hall was essentially calling the trust liars to the fan base, and yet the trust still felt obliged to kiss the proverbial ring with such a bombastic statement about how crazy this access is, it felt like it belonged to one of those press releases from a year or so ago when the club were updating us on Karachi FC. Yeah, I, I, I would love to have been privy to the behind-the-scenes conversation which was led to the trust, A, not releasing a statement about being called liars, B, not releasing a statement about what we learned yesterday, and then C, um, <laughs> bringing out a statement which sort of invalidates everything they'd been saying before in terms of what they were trying to do. Um, the, the one big point is well, they haven't said anything about the accounts they've just said they've seen them and and um, then just sort of as you say uh, kissed the ring and been laid down like a good little boy for, for Swindon to do what they want in terms of the statement it was it was not what it was one that makes the blood boil a little bit I've got to be honest I, 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 I don't wish to speak um, too openly about these things often because relationships have to be maintained but like, what are you guys doing over there? I appreciate 
but the club aren't obliged to disclose the books to anyone, you know, in, in terms of who they are as a company. And they will highlight this whenever they get the chance to show how great they are for doing it and how ungrateful we are for not recognizing that. But just last Monday, Vic Morgan via the official supporters club on the sofa was told by the trust in, in, in text form or in, by email that they were working on a format in which to display the information to effectively summarize the accounts in a way that we will all understand. And looking at the timelines within the statement that was released on Friday, this seems to be it, along with other things that are just, again, kicking the can down the road. And given how long this process has taken, it shouldn't be a surprise and no one should really be outraged, but it just seems so weak, weak, weak. And it just feels like it's been a big waste of everyone's energy. Yeah, it's not, you know, you you have to assume that the trusts were very angry about what Anthony Hall said about them. And from that day, they said, you know, that they were going to, the, the reason they were going, so that Scott Curtis could write a, you know, sort of, breakdown of what, what all the accounts meant for everyone and that was you know that was quite a useful thing that they were going to see them for and, and now it's kind of like well <laughs> why did you bother they could have they could have just not seen them they're going to release what they, whatever it is that they end up releasing anyway you know it, it it's just very strange the whole the whole process and there must be a lot of things that have been said behind closed doors to to get to where we are today on friday I, I, I would very much like the, the trust to come back to actually um, is the thing that we said we were going to do, so we. Well, given the reaction that I've seen, both publicly and privately, they might have to say something else shortly because it, the reaction to this has not been a claim, shall we say. No, I, I, you, know, you have to assume that they probably knew that or at least someone did, but um, in writing that statement, but yeah, it, it is, it's very limp. It, that, that's all you can really say about a statement like that one. Um, and for the first time, it looked like the trust might have, have um, got some teeth to them um, over this issue, but it, it, it hasn't worked that way in the end. And um, even some of the things Anthony Hall said to Vic Morgan were about, well, you know, when when the trust see them, they'll tell you all the good stuff that we're doing, and and that's even that's not actually happened. And yet he'll still say, well, we're open and transparent. Honest Clem says you can look at the books. You've looked at the books. We've done our bit. It's it's just it's just a huge disappointment, but not a surprise. Talking of things that weren't a surprise, <laughs> uh, the EFL have uh, finally released their statement and I've pre-recorded it because I didn't want to fall over my words. Here we go. The EFL has charged Swindon Town and majority owner Mr Clemente Morfuni with breaches of EFL regulations following the failure to declare a significant interest share acquisition in the club. Mr Morfuni has been charged for a failing to disclose to the club's management the transfer of a 17.1% voting right shareholding to Mrs Holly Kiley of Swinton Reds 20 Limited in September 2022 which led to the club breaching the requirement to disclose to the league details of any shareholder with more than 10% of voting rights and failing to update the official club website 
with the details for public record. Confirmation of the share transfer came to light following its publication at Companies House in August 2023, meaning the club had been in breach of its obligations for the majority of the 2022-23 season. No charges have been issued in respect of a transfer of a 5% shareholding because that does not exceed the 10% reporting threshold in EFL regulations. And the matter will be referred now to an independent disciplinary commission. Joe, after 30 years, 30 long years of total mismanagement at Swindon Town Football Club, I don't know about you, but it just feels so nice to know what a proper ownership with a deep knowledge of the industry finally looks and feels like. Yeah, it's a professional operation now. You've, you've got to say that. They've you know, they've made their mistakes, but they've said sorry. So why do you keep going on about it, uh, including the FL? Why do you guys keep going on about it? We said sorry. Oof. Yeah, it's, as, as Michael Flynn will say when we get to that, and, um, you know, uh, as you've said, it's not new. <laughs> we, we knew this was coming. It was a matter of when, not if. And the more interesting part will be that that committee and what they actually end up deciding to do to Swindon, which probably will be a little bit underwhelming anyway in terms of what some people have theorised about. Um, potentially happening but it was it was it's it's one of those things where it is very much on the wall now this you have been charged it's not it can't anyone can say it's theoretical and that's the kind of only thing to it really that's that's the only update is that now it's not hypothetical it's factual yeah it it was interesting to see the reaction from the Swindon Town fan base because again this this feels like another thing that is that is, is kicking the or pushing the Swindon Town supporters to being more united in their concerns with how Swindon Town are managed behind the scenes. I, I felt like yesterday I had to do some firefighting because I personally genuinely don't think there will be a points deduction from this. I can't see why that would be a case. But there are a lot of fans, and this is what there was. There was a little bit of of bubbling tension and and rumor at the start of the week, where people were saying that a points deduction was coming close, and that the bookies' odds for Swindon getting relegated, relegated, sorry, are incredibly well. They're not a hundred to one, shall we? <laughs> some some bookies are offering ten to one for Swindon to go down which is incredible unless they have insider information, which is what Swindon Town fans believe. And they believe this independent disciplinary commission might go in hard on Swindon and they cite Everton, but other fans are citing Peterborough from earlier this calendar year where they got a suspended points deduction, but a £50,000 fine, which sounds far more ballpark what Swindon might incur, but whatever, it's, it's not a good look. No, it, it's an awful look and I completely agree with you. I, I would be very surprised at any sort of points deduction. And frankly, in terms of the bookies, um, as, as bad as Swindon have been in various games this season, it would have to be quite an incredibly hefty points deduction for Swindon to actually be in too much trouble of relegation. So, you know, it, that 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 feels very unlikely to me, um, um, because it's not you know you haven't gained a sporting advantage or anything like that. 
So it, it feels unlikely there would be a points deduction. Fine, incredibly likely in the you know around where Peterborough have it, but yeah, it was. I think I think the the base of the fans have have turned very distinctly away from the ownership. That's very clear because I think earlier in that day I'd been covering thoughts on a potential article for next week, maybe about what people wanted from the transfer window and what most people said was a different owner. So. <laughs> You know that I, I think that's where that's where people are at this point, and this was very much a, a concrete. This, this is why kind of moment, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, a great opportunity for Clem Mulfuni to stick his middle finger up at the collective fan base if by pulling it out the bag in January. But there's not much faith that that will happen. You you quite rightly pointed out that Michael Flynn was asked during the presser on the EFL charges. You mentioned a few bits and pieces there. Anything else worth discussing? Um, he, well, the, the main part other than him saying, and I, I quite enjoyed his two and two making five on the points deduction thing, but the main part that he said was um, in, in terms of, <laughs> I guess, probably for his own benefit more than anything else, in terms of, uh, it, it helps us more if the fans don't turn massively against the club. Um, as a team, so he was wanting, so he is, is wanting fans to stay together. He stopped slightly short of saying, you know, support the board, but there were some pro Clem messages in there anyway. He knows where his um, bread is buttered. Um, so, so there was there was that kind of messaging. Um, I remember the various days in the Lee Power era where, where I think the entire crowd was turned on the director's box rather than the actual pitch for, for various points. So. You know, I probably wanting to avoid that more than anything else was kind of his main takeaway. But beyond just sort of assuring any main fears of of harsh recriminations for for what Swindon have done off the field. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have read bits and pieces about protests and a lot of that focus towards the big crowd at Wrexham. I I don't know what what that does really, you know, other than showing your disdain, but you, you also get to go and watch a football match. You know, I think a lot of that happens outside the ground and inside the ground, especially for games like that, it should be about supporting the players. A lot of people say support the team, not the regime, but I, I, I'm not fully comfortable in endorsing on, on site in the ground protests uh, because I, d I don't know if this team could cope with that sort of uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Plus it'd be pretty weird if all the Wrexham fans in the home end started doing it too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this team doesn't cope too well with much adversity. So I think their own, their own fans um, <laughs> protesting would, would help them much at all. Mm. I think, yeah. I, I, I think if people want to want to protest and I think that's, that's probably the right thing for them to do um, outside the ground is, is probably best or just sort of, you know, don't buy tickets because that's, that's kind of the most effective method. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move away from those two and let's finish. <laughs> let's finish, have the final say on a four nil away loss at Wimbledon. <laughs> um, I was watching your brother's vlog actually, Joe, because uh, I remember from the from the last episode, I was like, I don't know why people were so upset about Wimbledon's first goal. Um, but watching your brother's vlog, it, it, it proved that FBT might have had a head injury. So therefore, the referee should have whistled to stop play before before the goal went in, which didn't happen. And I don't think FBT had 
a head injury. But yes, that that would explain the the irate Swindon fans from that side of the stand. Yeah, I did. I didn't see it in real time either. But Michael Simmons and indeed Charlie Austin were hot on that after the game in terms of. I think they they were saying you know there were there were two players down with potential head injuries. I don't think either of them had one, so no one came off. But um, that was that was clearly where most of the fury was from. Although to be honest, it was it was the performance was so bad that it really doesn't matter because even before the goal goes in, Swindon were just useless. So <laughs> I, I, I I honestly don't care that the referee didn't stop play because. It was coming. Swindon lose that. Swindon get back in that game. Whatever happens. Yeah, it did did have have that feel, and I think that's generally accepted by everyone. I don't think it changes the tone of that game whatsoever. Just kind of killed the hope nice and early. <laughs> if anything, uh, anything else, Michael Flynn had on Wimbledon um, because I think he did say they're trying. Yeah, again, he kind of said that after the game. It's like, well, they're not not running. Uh, apparently, the running stats were fine. The, the obviously, no one else gets to see those, but supposedly they were good. They, they're putting effort in, but in a way in which they forget to do a bunch of stuff and don't track people. Because he said both of those things um, in terms of the, the poor goals being conceded. He was particularly annoyed about Armani Little's goal um, from the free kick. Which, watching it back, very very much right to have been annoyed about that goal in particular. Um, but yeah, that, that was his, his main thing, kind of trying the line between, you know, <laughs> it was real bad. He, I think he said, you know, we have to do everything better, which which is very much correct, because Swindon were bad at everything for 90 minutes. <laughs> um, so, so so that that was that was kind of it. And then he was, you know, he's, he kind of flipped it from there. So, like, well, you know, the, the boys have put the effort in. They've, we've had a good week of training and, we are in a decent position to try and push somewhere from here. So that was that, that was his main takeaways from the game. I, I think his, his opinions on the match hadn't changed too much from if you listen to his his interview after the game. Sure. Well, there we go. Right. That's we've done all the all that stuff now. Here we go. So we we now move forward, um, and the shelf life of this episode will 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 reduce very quickly because we're going to cover the the youth cup. A game against Luton, uh, Derby or Manchester United uh, await the winners for that. So Swindon could have Manchester United or Derby at the county ground in the future in the FA Youth Cup. Um, but quite interesting quotes here in relation to the first team. Yes, definitely the most interesting part of the press conference or overall, I would say, in terms of his comments around the Youth Cup and in the Joe zone. That will, I, I kind of try and clarify them specifically because I wasn't 100% sure because we know Michael Flynn in terms of team news is always likes to be as vague as he can. So um, that was it. He was, he was saying that they've been planning ahead around this Youth Cup game because it's the night before a first-team match and Swindon have had to have used you know, youth players on the bench for pretty much the last 10 games or so. It's quite a while that there have been at least two or three youth players in every subs bench. So he's saying he, he, what he said was um, that what what will happen is people will be in some people will be involved in both games. We know those likely are, and at one point and at one point he says you know, that they might they'll probably they will like they will be involved on the bench or more. Mm-hmm. And given the fact that Swindon, you know, Accrington stoppage time aside, and I think Dorsak came on once, these lads very rarely get off the bench. That was I thought quite a telling um, little soundbite. 
um, that that one of these kids probably is starting tomorrow. Given that what he says about injuries is it's not looking good, Brev. Ooh, right. Well, let's go straight. To that. Good luck to Swindon Town under 18s at Luton. But let's let's go with injuries because given that we had a break, given that after that break they didn't come back for the Wimbledon game. I was kind of expecting some to come back by now, but doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, he was sounding significantly more optimistic about the injuries ahead of Wimbledon. So, as you say, I mean, Russian Hepburn Murphy was at that game. He just wasn't on the bench. Um, I knew because I spoke to him that day that Tom Brook wasn't going to be involved. But, um, you know, he was also supposedly pretty close. And it was sounding like, OK, so if it's not today, it'll, it'll be next week. And with Jake Kane, the same. But, um, but based on tone of voice more than anything else, it sounds like that's not happening. Um, he said they are waiting on one or two, but I think he said that for at least five weeks in a row and they've not got anyone back. So it it's not looking like Swindon are going to have any more players involved again, certainly based on what Flynn said. Um, and then he kind of also added that because of the games they've got to come up, it makes more sense to leave them a little bit longer and make sure they're fit so they could have involvement in those games instead of re-injuring themselves, which, which does make sense, but... You know, <laughs> so we haven't got a squad right now, so it would be quite useful to have at least one of them back. I mean, there's an element of calculated risk for the Barrow game, regardless of how well Barrow are doing, that you've got this one coming up, but then after this week, then it turns into the Christmas schedule where it's Tramere, Wrexham, Forest Green, Crawley, all in close proximity that... I'm not saying that we're throwing away the opportunity here, but maybe bringing in a youngster for this game isn't isn't going to be the worst because we're going to need those players to to be available from Tramier onwards. Yeah, I, I you know it's, it's it'd be good for these some of them to get experience of of playing, and if if you can kind of hope that their legs are there, I think just in terms of scheduling, it's it's not the easiest. I mean, it was he was kind of keen to say that it wouldn't be someone who started, um, you know, tonight, uh, tomorrow, I guess, by the time most people listen to this. Uh, so all eyes on that subspench for the under-18s in terms of um, which most um, senior affiliated player is on it. Absolutely. Um, and so I think just, just from that sector, obviously it's not ideal for whoever it is if they have to play, you know, even 20 minutes one night and then start for the first team the next day. That's That's going to be quite difficult for them, but... Yeah, you probably need to bank the points at Tranmere. They're in good form right now. So it's a lot of tough games when they've got to play. If they can have one and then have some time off, then maybe that does help them. And as you say, if you can get Brewer in for the bench at, and Russian Hepburn Murphy for the bench at Tranmere, and then maybe they could play by the time you're, you're taking on Forest Green. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's oh, If they didn't want to work Christmas, they've got it all wrong. Yeah, <laughs> they've they've done it too soon. Who's going to get sent off? I thought it was going to be Blake Tracy uh, at Wimbledon that was looking for Christmas off. Who's going to get sent off at against Barrow? Well, um, we've lost a lot of the hotheads right now. Um, yeah. It's got to be a straight red as well. Off. It's got to be a straight red. If uh, Saidu Khan wants to get off early and make sure he's fit for Gambia, then maybe it'll be him. But um, <laughs> but I think there's violent conduct for whoever wants Christmas off if they're going this early. You can't go full Kevin Nolan. You can. You can. <laughs> you must. Have, we'll, we'll see what's happening there. Before the, the 
the minimal Barrow chat, a, a lot of the questions, the, the remaining questions from Michael Flynn's chat with yourself and Andrew Hawes was to do with, of course, January coming up, getting business done early. Ah, uh, chance will be a fine thing. A fine thing indeed. Um, <laughs> it was kind of like, well, I mean, I'd like it to be done early, but um, it, no, he's, he's talking about having people lined up previously in terms of replacements for loan players and you know, working on all of his targets, but um, more optimistic in theory than <laughs> but going very early on the, well, you know, we kind of wait for people like it was in the summer um, in terms of uh, Flynn was saying that you know they they will they he knows who he wants and he knows who he can afford, um, which is news to Anthony Hall. Um, but, but when you're dealing with the players, other agents, other clubs, then what you want is not their priority. So they're going to you know, try and try and do their own things first. And so unless you're going for someone who's incredibly out of favour somewhere, getting that done early is is not always very easy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're putting in bids for the front three at Oldershot, are we? You know? <laughs> or anything like that as as we begin to lose our, you know, attacking options. But yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a, a rational fan out there that thinks that in the opening stages of, of the transfer window, we're going to get our business done. But at the same time, it did feel like a lot of the quotes that he said in the last window where it was all optimistic was like, I've identified, I know who I want, but the factors that are beyond his control, it, it did feel a little bit like that again. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, I think he might have actually said it before already, but we've not quite got into the realms of geographies a bitch quite yet, but um, it's, it's, he's very much, I think possibly lowering expectations early about what's when you can expect early on in the window, because that probably was not the easiest thing in the summer where everyone's wanting things to get done. And, you know, by a week into the season, we've only signed two players on loan. So uh, maybe he's he's u- using this to, to walk back expectations, although um, in case he hasn't noticed yet, that's not going to work with Swindon fans because um, they, they, they tend to obsess on these things. Yeah, and... I don't think anyone is going to blame Flynn for how January might go. And I know some of the podcast enthusiastic contributors are really starting to to uh, discuss and tease the club on, on how January will go. I am going to wait and see what happens because, I don't know, it's not that I'm optimistic. It's just that I need to see what the lay of the land is come February before... I I really do worry or panic or anything like that because I think there's going to be some lows. There might be a couple of highs. You never know. But it's all the noise suggests that it's not going to be one that we'll we'll look back at fondly. But you just you just don't know, do you? Yeah, you have to have a little bit of hope. But as I kind of wrote in for Wimbledon's program last week. They've got one hell of a job on their hands in January mm. with, with the amount that Swindon are most likely going to need, um, particularly factoring in players going back and then having to be replaced. Um, it, if it's a busy month, then hopefully that's a positive thing. But I, I think it's what I would say is at this point, it's looking very difficult for them to do what they probably need to. It's going to be wakening on loan, isn't it? 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be something like that. But I, I mean, what we should obviously be doing is is asking Bradford what other strikers they don't need, and then we can transform someone else. But uh, probably, I can't imagine they'd make that mistake three times. No, well, you never know. You never know. There was a little bit more detail on Williams Cocolo, wasn't there? I mean, there's there sort of was more detail on Williams Cocolo in terms of obviously he's out of contract from the start of January, so uh, that that will need to be extended. They want to keep him around. Um, Flynn simply said, "I am ahead on that one," and then talked about how busy he was doing other stuff. So <laughs> um, I, I, I would imagine "I am ahead on that one" means. They've made him an offer, most likely, but um, there was not there wasn't a ton of printable quotes in that answer. I put it that one. Well, ahead of schedule, let's go to the Joe Zone now because it covers everything um, in a little bit more detail that, that we've covered so far. So off we trot. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, everybody. Summer is here. And when there's no Swindon town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch, you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it. OK, so don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home. But no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Hi, I'm Colin Calderwood and welcome to the Loathe Strangers podcast. Can I just clarify what you said on the Youth Cup? Were you saying that some players might be involved in both games, potentially? Or potentially, it- potentially. Um, look, it's, it's, where, it's where we're at. Um, you know, listen, if somebody's starting, on to, starting tonight, they won't be starting for us tomorrow, that's for sure. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's nothing silly like that. It's um, players that, you know, look, there's two that I know are not starting um, tonight. So they're, they're most, most likely be involved um, with us because we haven't, we haven't got anything else. We've got, we've got a long injury list and um, it's really going to bite us um, 
for the next five, six games. It's it's a tough scenario, but like I said, it, it, it's not excuses. It's just where we're at. Um, heading into the what's going to be an incredibly busy couple of weeks, um, I was listening to something Pete Wilde said where he said, normally obviously you plan training week by week, but when it's as hectic as this is going to be, they kind day of... Day by day. Well, he actually said a monthly plan, and they'd kind of done it that way. Of you changing the way that you look at it for the four games in eight days? We've got to, because the numbers... The lack of numbers, um, you know, even when the first team or the boys who will play, now they haven't always been available to train because I've, well, they've had to rest. They've got little niggles here and there, um, so it's been it's been tough. It's been tough to to get through what we want on the grass. Um, so we've had to be creative and make sure they get their intensity and their high speed distances, etc., into them without risking injuries, uh, more injuries too much because um, we've already got too many. Yeah, and one player, um, kind of already mentioned it, but in terms of Williams Kokolo, were you surprised at the way he was kind of able to come in having not played 14 months and hit the ground and you know, for the first month he's been here, he's played? Well, I know he did a pre-season still at, at Burton, um, and I know Dino well, so that's not going to be any walk in the park. Um, I know he came a couple of months after that, but he would have had a, a very hard base um, of fitness that Burton would have done. So, um, you know, when you look at that, I think he played one or two games from beyond closed doors as well. So, um, I'm not. You know, totally surprised, but the way he has come in and managed the games, uh, managed to play through the games, I think he's he's done himself a credit and shows that he has looked after himself. Yeah, and just to finish, in terms of contracts of players who are still here heading into January, where you know, there are a handful of players who will be out of contract in the summer and potentially have interest in them over the coming month, are you looking to tie some of them down before that happens? Yeah, well, look, that's something that I'll sit down with, with Clem over the next, you know, four or five weeks he's over um, for me I would say that Janu- getting players in in January is more important than anything else at the moment um, we, we've got to add to the squad um, and we've got to try and improve the squad because if we do that we're in, we're in a good position um, so it's um, yeah it, it's about I would say you know, the, the importance of the minute and, or What's the word I'm looking for? I've got blank. The importance, anyway, of, of January is, is, is the crucial part at the moment. So um, that is going to be my main focus. Great, good luck tomorrow. So there we go, then. Uh, training plans for the next few weeks. Williams, Kokolo and contracts. So, yeah, training. It, it does feel like a fair bit of the injuries this season have happened during training. So it, he does need to be quite careful here. Yeah, I, I would suggest they start practicing Zorb football rather than regular football um, <laughs> for the next few weeks, <laughs> just to be extra careful, possibly. I know they've got Bouncy Castle at Beversbrook, so they could do it on there as well. Um, so so I, I think they're going to have to be particularly careful. And, and I, I quite enjoyed the part where I was bringing up what Pete Wilde had said. And he, he went daily and I was like, well, he actually said monthly, but, you know, um, <laughs> I, I, I think Finn's... It sounds like he's, he's getting a bit nervy, you know what I mean? Um, 
about the whole <laughs> the whole issue that he's he's going to face there because um all very already very thin squad faces four matches in eight days. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, fair play to Golo. Um, for the, he's he's probably been one of our stronger players. Since he arrived, still not, you know, hugely, um, I'm not seeing pressed. He's, he's certainly been one of our strongest players, but at a time where that's not been like a, a very long list of players that have impressed. Yeah, I've, I've been impressed with him, um, his on pitch, I guess, mostly because of where he, you know, coming off the cold um, to, to play a lot of matches. And he's, he's been pretty solid. Yeah. Generally, I thought I thought against Wimbledon he was probably our best player. Um, again, you know, prettiest moon at the harvest pig ball, uh, prettiest pig at the harvest moon ball, maybe. Um, it's it's not a high bar. It was it was an, it, you know, so it it feels unlikely that it's so you know he, he's done well by by that perspective. But um, I I don't know if it, he'll be the end of his um, competition if if Flynn can do what he wants to do in January. Yeah, it would just be the absolute epitome of this season if Leighton Orient come in for him or whatever, <laughs> um, and then we even lose the, uh, the the barrel scrape signing that did all right. Yeah, we get outbid on him by by someone else in League Two or something like that once his contract expires. That that I feel like would sum everything up pretty nicely if, if that were to happen. I think it would. I think it would. Right, let's talk about Barrow home. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Match days, 3 p.m. Yes, please. It's the vibe chasing entertainers of Swindon Town versus the conservative high flyers of Barrow. They currently sit in third place, but they can drop a little bit if uh, Swindon do what they did to Mansfield a short while ago. Barrow are unbeaten in 10 league games. Barrow have won five league games in a row. However, Barrow did lose their last game, which was against Maidstone in the FA Cup. So they've had a really, really good season. Uh, Their manager is doing a fantastic job. Their last five league games, starting with the one furthest away, has gone Barrow 1, Morecambe 0, Bradford City 1, Barrow 2, Barrow 1, Crawley Town 0, Colchester United 1, Barrow 4, and Barrow 2, Walsall 0. Oh, there's no town links. Um, I think Richie Wellens wanted Robbie Gotts at one point. They do have Dom Telford, who has been a scourge of Swindon on occasion, but also a massive disappointment when we've all gone, oh, they've got Dom Telford and he's turned up and not done much. I think he's actually been on the bench a lot recently. They have a few known players within the EFL, people that have been around the houses like Niall Canavan and uh, Paul Farman and George Ray. Um, But yeah, um, they seem to be doing a terrific job job we have not lost to barrow at home since september 26 1967 although in fairness that is only four games ago last season at home only in april we drew nil nil with them and we beat them uh, around this time last year away thanks to a lou reed penalty a one nil win ah so there we go third place barrow they're having a wonderful season. 
And it, is it arrogance, Joe, that we still sort of go to these sort of games like we you know, got beat Barrow at home? And I, I think a lot of teams might have said that this season and gone, oh, well, it's done a terrific job. Yeah, I, I think it, it absolutely is arrogance because, well, it's Barrow. But, um, yeah, I mean, Pete Wilde has done an absolutely unbelievable job at, at Barrow. <laughs> to you know, a second promotion challenge in a row and other than a slightly bizarre performance at the county ground last season in terms of um, <laughs> the way they wanted to handle a game that they needed to win. Um, yeah. get, getting, they didn't, didn't getting they? Up, it's been an incredible job. They're bottom of the fun table, of which we're at the top, <laughs> significantly above us in the actual table. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a game that technically speaking, we have absolutely no right to think we should be winning, but it is Barrow. If, if, if you're walking in paying £27, which, which one do you want to see? Do you want to see Fun Time Swindon Town or do you want to see Boring Barrow? <laughs> they've got, you know, like I said, they've got a few names like Jamie Proctor, David Worrell. They've got James Chester. That's the Wales international James Chester. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good it's a good set of sort of solid players. I think Emil Ackwood's been pretty good for them this season as well as a big target man. Um, so it, it's you know it's it's a it's a bunch of people you'll recognise, but you'll recognise them from the early 2010s more than anything else. So I I, I think uh, that they probably have everything that Swindon lack, frankly, looking through that their um their general side. So um, it'll be it's a it's a massive clash of styles. I think it's it's fair to say in terms of the side who play the most long balls and obviously score and concede the fewest goals. As as again coming up against um, your sort of preeminent vibes ball team that's been another become. Yeah, um, Barrow have conceded in the league sixteen goals to our fourteen. Oof! <laughs> <laughs> they have only scored a pathetic twenty-seven to our forty-three. So you know, while my uh, season ticket is so woefully cheap, I'm enjoying it while I still can. Yeah, well, good good game to be able to freeload off, eh? Yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Well, Wild has got to be, he's got to be getting interest from from teams higher up now because he has a knack for this, doesn't he? I mean, I'd have taken him in the summer, frankly. Oh, yeah. um, if I if I was a higher up side, um, what what he did at Halifax and I was speaking with Andrew Hawes earlier, and obviously, you know, making Oldham a semi functional team before. Um, and obviously, having done an incredible job again at following that up at Barrow. So, uh, if, if you're elite one side who, who just kind of want to ride out the season, maybe and then can challenge later on, or possibly even championship. If if this guy isn't on your list, then I have to assume it's just gross negligence. Yeah, yeah, I was convinced Bradford would have tried. I bet they did. I think they tried everyone though, didn't they? Yeah, they they called around all the league two sides, saying you had the who had whose manager was the most available. Um, turned out to be MK Donzers um, in the end. So yeah, they, I mean, you have to assume that they asked. They asked, you know, given how long that process took, <laughs> they must have got to his name eventually. Yeah, there's not really much more from Michael Flynn's part of the presser on Barrow, but he was asked about them and the usual. Yeah, the usual. Um, again, in terms of me saying that they're, they're everything that Swindon aren't. Uh, we described them as very switched on, strong, experienced. Um, he seems to know quite a lot of the players in terms of um, Telford and um, uh, Proctor and players like that. Um, so if he if this is any side he can have a proper handle on, it should be this one. Um, yeah. That was kind of the main takeaways, but it was um, it was fairly generic stuff. Put it that way. Yeah. Okay.
Right, well, let's move on to Jake Young, who was the guest <laughs> from the plane squad. Kind of like they're going to doing a little bit of a farewell tour with these presses at the moment. Yeah, it does feel that way because, um, well, we had Jake Young after the Mansfield game for obvious reasons. And so the week after that kind of felt, well, actually, in fact, the week leading into Wimbledon kind of felt like a, a very Jake Young themed week um, for me. In terms of stories I could put out and transfers because because uh, they Graham Alexander had spoken about it as well and then this week was very Dan Kemp themed um, with um, with, with Williamson talk, talking about him and um, and obviously Kemp's quotes from last week so yeah it does feel like it's sort of one last ride type of type of territory and it feels like that because it almost certainly is. Well, Anthony Hall told us that he did, yeah. Um, so there's no one can be surprised um, when when it in fact turns out to have been the case. Yeah, but, you know, Jake Young's not been told yet, so maybe there's hope yet. No, he's not publicly being told, but I, you know, I just don't buy don't buy it for a single moment that it's all like tenter hooks and just waiting in the in the room for your ticket to be called. No, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody knows what the lay of the land is. But as you say there, he, he he doesn't know what's going to happen. And he's a Swindon player until the end of the season, until somebody tells we've been here before. Yeah, I think I think he said this exact word before. Um that's that's what he's sticking to. And that's I mean his situation a very fair line to take. Um he as he say, he probably he he knows if he even if he doesn't know, no. Um, if that makes any rough sense. Um, so he's he's going to be a Swindon player until the end of the season, unless he's told differently, which will be the first day that he's allowed to be told differently um, <laughs> by Bradford. And then, and then he'll, I guess, probably see what happens from there because, fr- frankly, the number of goals he scored, just, there's no guarantees playing for Bradford come Je- February either. No, no, not at all. And I don't really want to cut into what you asked in the Joe zone too much, but... I just I just think back to when he came on for Barrow against Swindon in that nil-nil draw and he was just a nothing player. Just did yeah. nothing. And now and how he's developed since then. Well, you do have to you, you know, there's one thing you can question. It's it's Barrow's kind of goal output and clearly Jake Young is is it's very talented in front of goal. He went there and didn't score. Dom Telford's not hardly um, you know, drowning in buckets of goals at the moment. So Maybe that's kind of the only chink in the in the Pete Wild armor is the fact that um, strikers do seem to struggle there, and that's something I heard from uh, someone at one of my uh, NewsQuest colleagues up in Cumbria when Jake Young had signed. Um, so you know, he, he obviously was very respectful. He said he you know thought the staff were brilliant and and the manager was doing an excellent job, but obviously on a personal note, it wasn't the most successful of times for him. No, okay, um, but he is looking forward to going up against some former teammates. Yeah, it was. I mean, he kind of fifty-fifty in terms of it helps in terms of you know what they do, but they also know what you do. Although you have to imagine that they probably don't know what Jake Young does because he's he's done some very very different things this season um, to when he was at Barrow. But um, he said he was quite used, uh, quite excited, obviously, meet with the the good friends that he made there, which he he said there were plenty. And also, um, no, show them that he does know where, in fact, know where the back of the net is. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Okay, I'm almost finished. 
Christmas period. It's going to be busy. So we're going to get a nice little farewell tour from people like Jake Young. I really, really hope. Uh, yeah, especially as we've got the two home games over Christmas. It's going to be good. Hopefully he gets to 20. That's what I want him to do. I want him to get to 20 goals. I mean, he's, he's even to get to twenty, he's got a little bit of a get a bit of a shake on to to do there, given given some of the quality of sides when they're playing. But I mean, it'd be lovely if he could if he could get there. And frankly, if he can win December Player of the Month and go full Doyle um, with three and twenty goals before the turn of the year, that would be particularly nice. But um, uh, it, it would it would involve at least one um, good get very strong game from him in front of goal, which. guess playing Wrexham with with the two sides styles of play isn't isn't the most unlikely thing and the, the big difference between the Doyle and the young situation was Doyle's contract was running out coming nearer to the end of his career whereas Jake Young still has another year he's scoring loads of goals it's not going to be a freebie until the end of the season is it no Jake Young's a is a 22 year old that scored more goals than anyone else in the football league Um, with, with 18 months in his contract, that's a million pound player at the very least. Um, so Michael Lynn said that he hadn't been told an asking price for him yet. Um, I think it's slightly more than we can afford. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Depends on the, depends, doesn't it, on what they, oh God, I, I'm trying, I'm trying, <laughs> I really am here. Um, well, I, I hope everyone appreciates the, uh, the positive spin you're trying to find, but even really, Ralph doesn't believe it. I really am, really am. Right, um, you asked some questions, so let's go to the Joe zone. Easy for us. So yeah. <laughs> um, obviously last week now, but it's your second player of the month, which is dangerous mm -hmm. because almost exactly replicating what Owen Doyle did here a few years ago. Um, does it? Uh, can Can you even quite believe how amazing the season's gone when you compare it, especially ahead of the Barrow game when last season wasn't quite so good? Yeah, I think obviously coming here, I wanted to be successful, and I knew in my head what I wanted to do. I don't think it was even as good as what it has been in my head. Um, I think I've kind of exceeded the, the expectations. I set myself smaller goals to, to try and hit throughout the season, and. I kind of blew them out of the water fairly quickly. So then you got to change your goals and change your targets. I'm, I'm doing well. I've got, I've got to adapt. But I think I, I knew I had it in me. I've always backed myself and had that belief as a player. And I just needed somewhere where I could get the opportunity and, and show that and take the opportunity. Which, for a multitude of reasons, it's all clicked here. Um, and when it clicks and everything falls into place, it, it gives me the opportunity to show what kind of player I am. And I think that's what I'm showing at the minute. We've seen a slight formation change of kind of playing more as a lone striker camps up there, but slightly more you know, floating role. Have you have you enjoyed the chance to play in a slightly different role and show more of your game? Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, I enjoy playing as a two, as a one. Um, I think it shows that I can do that, um, which is always good. Show you got the versatility that you can you can change your game. You can, if I need to be a little bit more central and, and be the the point then. I've shown I can do that um, whilst playing up there, but equally when when Jazz is up there or Rush is up there with me, I like I like that, and it gives me a little bit more license to kind of pull into different positions. So I think it can only be a good thing if if I'm experiencing all these different positions and different roles and stuff at, at a young age. It gives me it gives me more knowledge of the game going forward. He sounds like a smashing chap, but he's definitely got some Michael Owen. <laughs> tendencies in him I'm, I think he's capable of an apple throwing story yeah well he also often looks like he's taking on 13 year old goalkeepers so it makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah I, I like the question like because I think 
footballers, we always we're always told they've got to have faith in your ability. If you don't have faith in your ability, you're not going to make it in that industry. But but honestly, can you believe how well this season has gone? I'm going to just draw up your stats from your whole career so far. Nothing suggested that it was going to go this way, and it just happens sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, as as you say, you've got to have that belief. And um, frankly, one of the things I was I was tempted to ask him was, what is it that makes Bradford strikers so good at Swindon? Because clearly, there's there's something to it. But <laughs> there's there's no way you know he, he can say what he likes, and he kind of agreed. Like, there's no way he could have seen this coming because it just as as good as you think you might be, I'm not sure anyone could really predict going from scoring no goals and frozen out at one at two league, different league two clubs to to leading the entire league for goals. It just it just doesn't make much sense <laughs> until it actually happens. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I wish him well at Wrexham or Peterborough or wherever. They end up, and in my mind, they both go, him and Kemp go somewhere together because their stats are very much intertwined, aren't they? They're the top two in the in the division. So it just feels like an inevitability is they both end up somewhere and will probably be playing against Swindon. And they're not going to be in League Two, are they? No, I, I would be very surprised if one or both were playing in, in League Two even come February, but it does feel like they should be allowed to become some sort of package deal for the rest mm. of their careers. Um, you know, obviously we're not the ones orchestrating the sale, but it's kind of uh, Gladwin Luongo vibe to it. I think I think it would suit everyone very well because as much as much as their their magic on the field, their magic off it as well because they just do <laughs> all like great friends. Oh, when you say it benefits everyone, there is one big loser in all this story, unless unless they are the ones that buy them. Well, yeah, there's there's quite. A, well, I mean, there's there's probably three, presumably, um, the Swindon being the big losers, but Bradford and MK Dons for for not seeing it earlier, also not benefiting the best in this particular situation. But I guess they get the comfort of cash money. That's right. Not sure how to predict this one, Joe. Given Barrow's stats and our stats, so I'm going to say one-one. Oh, I was going to go for one-one, but now, now it's disappointed me. Mm. Um, I, I feel like teams like this, it will probably go more towards their game plan than Swindon's. Um, so I'm going to say two-one Barrow. Uh, no, I, I, I do believe, I do believe in positivity. I think in my head, I'm much more confident than maybe I should be, but. Uh, we're not going to lose, are we? I don't want to lose. I mean, I would rather not, but I was um, carrying positivity and the vibes. Oh, good um, grief. Through Mansfield and Accrington, but then yeah. Wimbledon happened, so mm. I, I decided so, to abandon that idea because it, it no longer worked. Okay, yeah. Always scrap plans when they when they fail. Never build on them. Um, yes, indeed. That was that was quite a journey, Joe. Thank you for for being my passenger on that. Thank you very much. No worries, Rich. Thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music for the presser is provided by the awesome Drag Me Down and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening.
bunny rats. Come on, Fred. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 